Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Hello and welcome to Affected by Altitude. It's the Purple Row podcast, Purple Row being the SBN affiliate for the Colorado Rockies. We're trying something new today. I am your host, Evan Lang, and joining me as always is Skylar Timmons. Boogity, boogity, boogity. Ah. It's Halloween. <laughs> ah, you scared me. Sick. And the equally frightening Mac Wilcox. I'm not going to scare you in a jump scare fashion like Skylar. I'm just going to psychologically terrify you. Like, you know, what, what's something that would really psychologically scar Rockies fans? Oh, we're going to we're going to pay Brandon Nimmo a few more millions of dollars and sign him for three years longer than makes sense for this team right now. That's pretty psychologically scary. I was going to say, don't Rockies fans have enough psychological damage at this point? There is, man. But that's the scary thing. It's like I'm like Freddy Krueger. Like, is this? You know, last couple seasons been one horrible, horrible nightmare you can wake up out of, or is there no difference between that and real life? Like, which is truly worse? Yeah. What if Brendan Nimmo becomes the next Ian Desmond? Ooh. See? It is truly the spookiest possible <laughs> outcome. Well, we are out here on this pre-Halloween episode of Affected by Altitude. And so for our icebreaker this morning, we're going to ask, with Halloween just around the corner, what would be your last-minute do-it-yourself Rockies-themed costume? And let's have Matt oh, go wow. first on this one. Ah, oh, man, that's a tough one. Last-minute do-it-myself costume. I would be. I would dress up as the egg that Dinger hatched out of. <laughs> that's what I would be. <laughs> How is yeah. that a last-minute do-it-yourself costume? That sounds so complicated. No, 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 no. It's easy. All you got to do is you run down to the store, right? And you get like a bunch of foam and you just like, you know, 
uh, angle the foam up in like, you know, more conical, like a circle. You just paint it white and like maybe throw some speckles of purple on and you're done. You could get that thing done in like an hour and then you're ready to go hit the town. And uh, people yes. are like, oh, are you an egg? Like, so are you like a chicken egg or like, are you like a Billy Hatcher situation for you cool kids from the mid 2000s? And you're like, nah, man, I'm the egg that Dinger hatched out of. And then everyone looks at you confused because nobody knows what that is. It's perfect. Ah, uh, yes. Just run down to the store for my last minute foam purchases. Hey, man, you know, I'm <laughs> telling you. They are making bank on foam right now on, on those big, like, you know, uh, 10 by four sheets of foam. You can get them for cheap. Come to me. I, I'm your foam hookup. I got you. And second of all, Mac, no one except for you and me remembers Billy Hatcher and the giant egg. It was a banger, though. Hey, I had that McDonald's toy. Okay. Yeah. Um, no one McDonald's. except for you, me, and Skyler remembers Billy Hatcher and the giant egg. Never beat it. I got stuck on the like second to last level. Never got past it. I got real frustrated. I was like nine. I was like, it, was sucks. Really, it was a really it's weird hard. game. Super weird. And like you had to like, why why do the eggs eat the food before they've hatched? That makes no sense. I got nothing. Skyler, what's your costume? Not scientific. <laughs> okay, so so I'll just say Max also in wrestling, so I wouldn't be surprised if he just has an egg costume lying around right now. True. Uh, <laughs> but for me, I'm going to send a picture of what mine would be in our little Slack channel where it would be Rocky's owner, Dick Monfort, which would be a super easy one to do. Look at this. That's even fire. just that picture. I'm pretty sure I have a little, like, not a Rocky's branded shirt, but I do have a purple button up. I do have some tan khaki pants. And the only thing is, I don't have purple shoes. That's kind of the kicker. I don't have purple shoes. But yeah, the what's your shoe though? size? I can lend you some. Uh, I wear 13s. Yeah, I can make that happen. I have size 13 <laughs> wow, purple shoes. There I have multiple pairs of size 13 right. purple shoes. Look at that. Belt. Doubt, what is that? Igloo in the front? Some kind <laughs> of weird insignia. I wonder if it has something to do with like the Monfort family. Maybe. Yeah, probably. Oh man, Skyler! Pretty, pretty easy, last minute, do it yourself. Yeah, fun times. It could be Rocky's owner, Dick Monfort. Like minimal, that. minimal effort as possible is what I'm looking for. <laughs> totally, <laughs> I like that. See, mine's a little, mine's a little bit in between of Mac and Skyler for last minuteness. Is uh, my idea was Charlie Blackman Bigfoot. So you just get Charlie like your your standard run of the mill Bigfoot costume from like a you know Spirit Halloween or Party City or whatever, and then all you need to do is add a a mullet and a bigger beard, pop on a Rocky's hat and some eye black, and you're in business. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, that is a little bit more uh, or less effort than even what I said. I like that, and can, you know it's probably recognizable to people too. I could picture Charlie Blackman getting caught Bigfoot style. He's out in the woods hunting or fishing. Someone comes across this mulleted, bearded man, and he just Bigfoot poses into the camera. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, other last-minute addition for me. Uh, 
I'll go as the Rocky slugging percentage, which is non-existent, so I don't have to show up to any costume parties. Hey, <laughs> got him. Oof. Nice. Oof. Okay, ow. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, then, how about you guys in the audience? On the comments, tell us what your last-minute Rocky's Halloween uh, costume would be. So totally. this episode should be going up on Halloween Day. So, yeah, just oh, let us know in the comments. And That's from so that, cool. we're going to rock and roll on forward here. So we did not record last week, uh, mostly due to me just being unable to make it in and other various issues. So we have not yet had a chance to have Mac explain his players of the month for September and October. So, Mac, in September and October for your players of the month you had some uh some very interesting mm. choices yeah and how about you go ahead and recap what those choices were and explain to us why you made those picks <laughs> okay so just to clarify tell everybody what my picks were so i believe for position player you picked what ezekiel tovar for the hype yep and then was your pitcher justin lawrence Yes. All right. So let's talk about those two cats. So for me, Justin, I mean, rather Ezekiel Tovar goes that saying, like, it's true that that Ezekiel Tovar did not ha have the same immediate impact or uh, didn't immediately agree himself as like the best player in the league at that time. Like, obviously, you know, it's, one of those things where oftentimes we do player of the month and it's like, who was the best actual player in this time period? And Tovar probably wasn't for that whole time period. The reason I still picked him though, is because I do think that the call up of Ezekiel Tovar and what he was able to accomplish in his relatively short time at the major league level before the season ended is one of the most significant parts of the Rocky season in 2022. There's so little to look forward to at times in a season like the one just got through, you know, there are these isolated incidents and are isolated moments like the Wynn Bernard call up that I think, you know, we can look at as like really significant and really meaningful moments. Right. Or we can look at, you know, um, Brendan Rogers, three Homer game, you know, as being like moments, but like those are isolated to like maybe a game or so at a time. Tovar's call up, is probably the most hype surrounding a Rockies prospect in a very, very long time. Maybe like a sense of Tulowitzki type situation. So I think him finally getting his opportunity to major league level and doing very well in that time frame is significant because it's just like, yeah, like this is the guy that we've wanted to see for so long. And this is his coronation. This is his arrival. And Rockies fans, like this is going to be the guy you're going to be seeing for a long time. So I think it's just significant, and I think that, like I said, in a time where there's very little to really get excited about this season, I think that he – I think that Tovar arriving and and showing us what he can do in this first little, like, dip in your toe in the Major League season, I don't know. I just think it's fun. That's why he's my player of the month for September and October as far as position player. Pitcher, I get why this one's weird because largely Justin Lawrence really struggled in September. He – Pitched uh, all of September, he pitched in, I think, 13 games to a 922 earned run average. And it's like, okay, that's not that great. 
October only pitched in three games to so the first, the second, and the third of the month. He allowed no uh, runs in that time frame, So that's cool. The reason I really like Justin Lawrence still is because he's a guy that myself, and I know Evan especially, has been clamoring to get more big league service time and more action at the big league level. We didn't see a whole lot of him in the first half of this season. Uh, he pitched a pretty healthy amount in April then uh, mid-May or towards the ends of May, he uh, disappeared. They sent him back down to the minor leagues, didn't see him at all in June, saw him for a couple games in July, and then only in mid-August did he finally show up and like really stick around. And the reason I picked Justin Lawrence for my player of the month is just because I saw so much growth for him. You're absolutely right. He had a couple of really rough games. There were some games where he allowed a couple of runs at a time. There's one really tough one. Uh, against San Diego, where he allowed four runs in just two-thirds of an inning. And, you know, outings like that, including his last of the month, where he allowed three runs to San Francisco in just a third to really blow up his earned run average. But Justin Lawrence was also getting consistent opportunities to perform at the back of the bullpen. And that is just something we've wanted to see out of him for a minute. The Rockies' bullpen has not been that good in 2022 or the last couple seasons. But I think Justin Lawrence is a guy that had a plus arm he could be somebody that the Rockies can rely on in a potential seventh or eighth inning setup situation in the next couple seasons. And so despite his struggles, I just saw him go out there and really prove like, yeah, I can be somebody that can be relied on in these high leverage situations. Obviously there's some growing pains that go along with that. Like I said, the worst of which was a three game stretch against the giants and, and the uh, uh, Padres. He allowed Two runs, one run, and four runs in three, you know, back-to-back outings. And that is brutal, obviously. But in general, I just really like seeing the progression of these young guys. Said the same thing with Tovar. Just these the progression of guys that I think the Rockies can rely on in the future for these high-leverage situations. And I think that just Lawrence, you know, he was he, he was given an opportunity to do that. And obviously he got burnt a couple times, but I just am happy to see him finally have a chance to prove what he can do and be somebody that can back up Daniel Bard in those late innings. So I know my, my picks are questionable. What can I say? I'm a maverick. But that's why I picked those two guys for those two spots. Yeah, it's definitely an, an interesting pick. I'm I'm very bullish on Justin Lawrence, but uh, I believe Skyler and I, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Skyler, I think we both picked Kyle Freeland uh, as our pitcher for that, uh, for that period of that time. That is correct. That is correct. Uh, I'm, I'm extremely bullish on Justin Lawrence, the the Lion of Panama, but he did he did struggle in September and October, and I do think a lot of that is because of his increased workload. Uh, all of a sudden, he went from really not getting a lot of big league pitching time to he was pitching almost every day. Uh, I talked about this in my ranking the Rockies piece on Justin Lawrence that in September and October, Justin Lawrence was the most used. Um, the most used pitcher by the Rockies by like a lot when it came to bullpen scenarios. And that is on one hand, really good because he's finally getting a lot of big league playing time and, you know, cementing himself as being a big league reliever. I think it would be ridiculous if he doesn't end up on the big league roster next season. But at the other hand, you're increasing his workload at a big league level more than he's ever done before. And so I think that has something to do with how his uh, season ended, but it's definitely an interesting choice uh, for for pitcher of the month when statistically he really wasn't the 
the best pitcher on the roster, but he does represent something good going forward. And I do see where you're coming from with Tovar on that end as well, where, you know, Tovar in September and October slash 212, 257, 333, but represents something bigger as a whole. But uh, Skyler and I picked Sean Bouchard, who as something similar is a fresh rookie coming up and in the September and October time period slash 333, 488, 583. So I think either way, you've got a rookie that you can look at as something exciting for the future. Skyler, what are your thoughts on Max picks? Uh, uh, he is definitely a Mac Vrick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, all I can say is, Mac, you do you. <laughs> <laughs> Look, so often we we pick the same guys because, you know, it's pretty clear who has the best stats and the best metrics at any certain point in the season. I want to shake it up a little. I want I want to go more philosophical than analytical. What can I say? <laughs> what does it truly mean to be a player of the month? Listen, I know that, you know, J- Sean Bouchard – might have been the player of the month statistically, but was he the player of the month in your heart? Yes. <laughs> yes I'm just saying. <laughs> the answer is yes. Yes, he was. I mean, also, that's probably true, too, but, you know. <laughs> anyway, let's let's move on. So we're going to move on from our awards our player of the month awards a little belated on max part just due to our mm-hmm. issues to the actual awards so we have finally announced here the gold glove finalists for 2022 and one nominee is a little surprising and one not so much and we'll start with the nominees at third base because there's two who were expected to be here and and one you maybe didn't. And those nominees at third base for the National League are Nolan Arenado, of course, Kebrian Hayes of the Pittsburgh Pirates, and then Ryan McMahon is the third nominee for the Gold Glove at third base this year. And I wanted to hear you guys' thoughts on, you know, is he deserving of that nomination? How do you think um, that sort of pans out overall for him with the season he had? And do you think there's a chance that he could even win this? And uh, let's start with Skyler on this one. Uh, first and foremost, there's no chance he wins it because Nolan Arnado is a nominee for it. Uh, <laughs> and it's just kind of a given at this point in Nolan Arnado's career is if he's nominated, he's more than likely going to win it. But it was really surprising to see you know, Ryan get that nomination because at the beginning of the season, defensively, he was awful. He's had a ton of errors early in the season and was just in a really bad funk, just like the rest of the defensive team. And so to see him be here at the end of the season with as many errors as he had throughout the year, for him to be a finalist, you know, says a lot because these awards are voted on. These are chosen by coaches and like guys, managers and members of their staff. And they can't vote for their own players. And so managers and coaches around the league are looking at Ryan McMahon and these other, you know, these sabermetric stats and saying, yeah, this guy is still gold glove worthy because look at what he does. Look how well he plays his position because he really turned it around in the later part of the year. And so it's nice to see him get recognition for the second year in a row. 
against the same group of guys in his category and him able to, to be there again is awesome. And really, you're looking at his, at his stats for the season, he only had 16, 16 or 17 errors throughout the year, and most of those were coming in April and May. And then he started to turn things around in June, July, August. So April, you take away April and May, and Ryan McMahon has a very few errors on the season. And what's uh, interesting about that is Ryan McMahon ended up actually having overall a, a top five season in terms of DRS per the fielding Bible in terms of his third base defense, where he finished with 10 DRS. And that is that's number five on the spot there. Uh, the only people above him are, of course, Hayes and Arenado, and then uh, Ramon Urias, who had 14, and then the the rookie in, I believe it's Milwaukee, Jace Peterson, who had 11. So overall, that's that's still a really solid performance, especially when he had the most innings at third base of any of those top five guys. He had more innings at third base than both Nolan and Cabrian Hayes. Now, what's yep. interesting is that you do bring up that, of course, Nolan Arenado is, of course, going to win it because he's Nolan Arenado, despite the fact that uh, Cabrian Hayes had a demonstrably better season at third base and had a total of five more uh, runs saved at third base than Arenado. Hayes had 24, Arenado had 19, and both of those figures are really, really good, but it does kind of show the bias of these kinds of awards where it's sort of a foregone conclusion that Arenado is going to win it when, you know, he wasn't necessarily the best third baseman in the league. But it, it's nice to see Ryan McMahon still getting some recognition despite a really difficult start of the season. And Mac, I'm wondering what your feelings are on this because, you know, he did have a, a tough start to the season, but then, like Siler said, he turned it around. He did. No, I, I echo that. It's, it's wild because, and both of these guys really have that. Brendan Rogers also had a brutal April, uh, not as much defensively, but he just had a, you know, he had a rough start to his season as did Ryan McMahon defensively. And obviously they both were able to turn around, become some of the more product, productive members of the Rockies overall. And, you know, it, it shows uh, Brendan Rogers, despite his, you know, tough April also is a finalist for the silver slugger along with Charlie Blackman. And, you know, now we're seeing McMahon and Rogers also be uh, potentially given an opportunity to win a gold glove. And the thing to remember, talking about defensive run saves, you're absolutely right that Brian Hayes led the majors. But you know who's second place behind him is Brendan Rogers. So Brendan Rogers, at the very least, you would imagine, has got to be more or less a shoe in, or at the very least, a, uh, a strong front runner for the second base title. But overall, I, I just can't agree with you guys more. It's just it shows the maturation of these two guys that I think we forget are still fairly young into their uh, major league careers. Like Ryan McMahon, you know, he just signed that six-year extension and he's going to be around for a long time. He's only 27. You know, it's not like he's a, a grizzled veteran that's been around forever. Brendan Rogers, the same way. Brendan Rogers, I believe, is uh, 26. Like these guys are not, you know, uh, super seasoned veteran players. Like they are still potentially entering the prime of their careers. And so to see both of them overcome in different ways, what, what started off as a really tough 2022 season, now be potential award winners, both defensively and offensively. It just shows that like, you know, there are some positives to gain out of the 2022 season. And 
And that would be the continued development, the continued maturation of these two guys that are going to be leaders. Like these are going to be the Rockies leaders here. Uh, probably next season or, or the season following once guys like Charlie Blackman uh, hang up the cleats. So I'm, I'm over the moon for these guys. I think you're right. Ryan McMahon is probably not going to win it just because of all the reasons you mentioned, but I still think it's fantastic. He's been nominated. And I think Brendan Rogers absolutely has a solid chance to take down the, take home the hardware. Obviously Tommy Edmond had a great season as well. So we'll see what they end up going with, but I'm just over the moon for both of these guys. I hope they are, you know, I hope they understand the gravity of it. I hope they're happy about it. I'm sure they are, but I just, I, uh, yeah, I got nothing else to add really. I think you guys both nailed it. And let's definitely talk about uh, leading into that Brendan Rogers a little bit more because Brendan Rogers is the nominee at second base for the national league for the Rockies, along with the uh, Padres, Jake Cronenworth, and then the Cardinals, Tommy Edmond. And you touched on this a little bit, Mac, but, Rogers really is the the clear front runner for this award in terms of defense where Brendan Rogers not only was the second best overall DRS in the entire league with 22 total DRS but he leads all second basemen by a hefty margin Mm -hmm. the next best second baseman compared to Brendan Rogers 22 DRS is Andres Jimenez who has 16 in the American League. The next best National League second baseman is Tommy Edmond, who in about half as many innings has about half as many DRS. Edmond only has 12 DRS, and that's through 614 and two-thirds innings. Brendan Rodgers has 22 through 1,168 and one-thirds innings. And I also really want to bring up that innings count because Brendan Rodgers played the second most innings at second base of any National League second baseman with Cronenworth being the first and Cronenworth being a gold glove runner up here or nominee rather is ridiculous to me because so Rogers has 22 who wants to guess how many DRS Cronenworth has I think he only has like three not even he has two wow that's crazy there are just so many other better second basemen like even Jeff McNeil has like three or four but I really do think uh, Brendan Rodgers should run away with this uh, what do you think Skyler well yeah definitely because you look at again that goes back to kind of the faults with the gold glove is that it's voted on by the it's a name recognition like of all the awards the gold gloves more so in popularity award because it comes with name recognition who do they know and luckily brendan rogers is up there because you do enough and get talked about enough those stats will out will those stats will show up especially with the national league teams they see that they're like okay this guy deserves it and so i think rogers that would be the only stipulation is man do do teams and these other teams and the voters recognize him enough does he have enough popularity and did enough that they recognize like, yeah, this guy's a clear runner because I question why Tommy Edmond is a now is a nominee because he spent most of his season split between second base and shortstop more so at shortstop. And he's a finalist for the new utility man gold glove, which I think he probably wins that one. 
but for him to he doesn't even qualify on a lot of those lists when you look on fan graphs and sort by qualified players at the position Tommy Edmond doesn't even show up and so this is really a two a two pony race to me between Cronenworth and Rodgers and Cronenworth he plays for the Padres definitely plays some solid defense but he's better with his bat than he is with his glove whereas Rodgers by far is is the glove he's really improved defensively and has brought back a really good defense that we saw out of Ryan McMahon there and especially DJ LeMayhew at second base. And so I think it's of all the awards that we can talk about, Brendan Rogers has a gold glove. We were talking about this back in August, but he should be the clear cut winner because of all those factors. You look at those advanced stats, the defensive metrics, it says a lot about how good he is. And you can disregard the errors because the Rockies are ground ball focused team. So their infield has way more opportunities, which also means more opportunities to make errors, which will happen. Now, everybody makes errors, but they it just looks like it's expounded more for the Rockies because they get more opportunities. And so hopefully the voters, they recognize this. And definitely, hopefully Rogers will bring home that that hardware, his first piece in a Rockies uniform, which is great because it's always good to have have gold gloves, Mark. But I swear, if Tommy Edmund wins them, so it's like when Tommy Edmund won last year, and Ryan McMahon, who uh, was not a nominee for second base, but was a nominee for third base, was a much better defensive second baseman than Edmund was last year where last year McMahon could have beaten out both Arenado and Edmund for second and third base but what's good about Rogers is he is getting a little bit more recognition uh the fielding bible awards named him their second base winner for the uh for the the fielding bible awards he led all like they like we said he led all second base in defensive runs saved and he made 19 diving plays apparently which were the most of any second baseman uh he's mm, also nice. the second ever rocky second baseman to win a fielding bible award the first being dj lemayhew so i think that's pretty cool and i really do think he needs to win it i think if rogers does not win this gold glove that it's just it's ridiculous Stop the steal, am I right? (sighs) (laughs) Well, on that note, I think it's time (laughs) we take a break. We're going to take a quick break here, uh, have some ads. We'll come back and we have some more hardware to discuss as well as the playoffs, baby. Uh, We're just about to hit the World Series here, so you bet that we have plenty of things to say about these playoffs. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. And welcome back to Affected by Altitude. Thanks for sticking with us through that ad break here. Uh, With us, as always, Mac and Skyler. We're talking Rockies hardware here at the end of the season. And we might as well just roll right into it. So we, before the break, talked about the Gold Glove finalists. And now we can talk about the Silver Sluggers finalists. The Rockies have two finalists for the Silver Slugger Award. The first of which is Charlie Blackman as the designated hitter. Uh, His field includes San Diego's Josh Bell, St. Louis's Albert Pujols, Washington's Luke Voigt, 
Justin Turner from the Dodgers and Bryce Harper for the Phillies. And the other finalist is in the second base category, Brendan Rogers, who's in that field with Jeff McNeil, Jake Cronenworth, uh, Cattell Marte, and Colton Wong. And so, guys, I want to ask you what your thoughts are on these two nominees. And let's start with Charlie Blackman. What do you think your thoughts are on – what do you think your thoughts are? There's nice. Uh, what are your thoughts on Blackman getting nominated for that award? Does he stand a chance to win it? Sort of how does he measure up to his peers for this category? And uh, either one of you can start on this one. Yeah, it's interesting looking at Charlie Blackman being uh, up for this award for the DH position just because, like, Blackman didn't have a great season by his standards. You know what I mean? Like, Charlie Blackman, I think, is pretty consistently over the last, I'd say, maybe seven years, eight years. Like, he's been a pretty consistently good player. And even I would argue that 2022 is probably the roughest season he had uh, maybe since, like, 2013 or 14. And it was still, and this is speaking just offensively, but like it was still pretty good. I mean, so we look at the metrics, 135 games played, Blackman slash 264, 314, 419. Okay. He launched 16 home runs. He had 78 RBI. Not fantastic. Not terrible. He had six triples. He can still move. Uh, Six triples is actually, you know, on the upper uh, uh, side of how many triples he's hit the season before. But like, it's definitely a far cry from his 2016, 17, 18, 19 days where he was an all-star. He got some MVP votes in that time frame as well. So, like, it's so funny just to see that uh, Blackman is up for this award, you know, only because I think it's just a tribute to how consistent he's been. You know, I, I think that he is obviously the elder statesman of the Rockies lineup. He's definitely somebody that a lot of the new guys rely on. And so maybe this is just the league saying – you know, hey, here's us throwing you a bone. I would say that he is, you know, it, it's nice to see him nominated for sure, and I'm happy that he's there. But no, I don't necessarily think he's going to win it. I think it is basically Bryce Harper's to lose at this point. So just so everybody knows, the other candidates are Josh Bell uh, from San Diego, Albert Pujols, of course, Luke Voigt from Washington, Justin Turner from the Dodgers, and Bryce Harper from Philly. Justin Turner is always oh, is ineligible. Yeah, he didn't reach the 100-game plateau to be able to win it. Oh, sick. Okay, well, we he, can... Uh, he got cut off at 99 games. No way. Is that true? Yeah, so he's ineligible to win it. He does not qualify to win this award. Why they keep mentioning him in the notes, I have no idea. Well, that throws my entire argument into a black hole. Okay, well, uh, Skyler... Charlie Blackman stats. Now you know him. Convince me as to why he would or will not win over the other five guys or four guys that don't include Bryce Harper, apparently. Uh, there's one reason Charlie Blackman will not win it. Well, I guess there's two. One, the main one is there's a guy named Albert Pujols who's going to win it yep. just because he's Albert Pujols. And he did have a very good year, but he also had the milestones and all the stuff. So they're going to give to Albert Pujols. I'm convinced because I look at this other list. Josh Bell was kind of eh. Luke Voigt, eh. Justin Turner, I never heard about him. So naturally, eh. And Bryce Harper was injured a lot and just misses, which is very funny that he's ineligible because he came one game short. Why is the, he even mentioned then? What a waste. 
it's probably because people would see that list and be like, why isn't Bryce Harper on there? Well, it's because he didn't qualify because of injuries and he didn't play Ugh, enough. Dumb. But they couldn't have snuck him into one more game. For real. Yeah, seriously, that's crazy. But but seeing Charlie Blackman be included was a little surprising to me because, like you were talking about, Mac, we looked at his year, and it was kind of a down year, nothing really special. But I think what helped Blackman the most was that transition more so to the DH spot where he spent most of the season as the DH, played 50 games in right field, and played 80 games as the designated hitter. And most of his damage was coming out as a DH, where he had that 268 average as a DH, a 429 slugging, had 10 home runs, drove in 47, five triples, 13 doubles, 47 RBI, 77 strikeouts, 20 walks. So in total, Blackman was much better as the designated hitter, but still pretty comfortable out in right field, but I think more so as the, the designated hitter really helped him out throughout this season, especially when you look at when he was hitting second or third, had a lot of opportunities in those spots and turned in pretty nice years, was hitting 300 in those spots as a designated hitter. So as far as like National League DHs go, I think a lot of the the, again, the coaches, the managers and coaches across the league who vote on these awards recognize Blackman. No, no they look deeper into things and using the eyeball test and metrics at least he's getting recognition for it, which is nice to see, especially when he, you know, as we're all looking like, man, Charlie just doesn't have it this year. He's kind of taking a step back because he did go through some big slumps. But by season's end, he did have a fairly decent year. And it's just nice to see him get some recognition. But yeah, Pujols is winning that. Yeah. Interesting. I definitely agree. I think Pujols is going to run away with it. He had 24 home runs in his swan song season. Also leads all of the candidates in strikeout percentage with just 15.7% while slashing 273, 45, 550 as a, what, 42-plus-year-old designated hitter and came out on the other side with a positive war. I, I think Pujols <laughs> runs away with it. But what I what's interesting about Blackman is that despite everyone saying, oh, what a down year he had, really, outside of Pujols, he's about on par with all of the other DHs that were nominated for the Silver Slugger. He has a strikeout percentage that's hanging in there with, you know, Justin Turner, Kettle Marte, and Charlie, and uh, I was going to say Charlie Blackman. And Albert Pujols, though, his is a little closer to 19 than the others. Everyone else is hanging between that 15 and, and 19% rate. He had more home runs than guys like Justin Turner and Cattell Marte. He of all the candidates, I believe has like the second or third most home runs of, of all of these guys. So really, I think it's tough because while he did have a down year by Charlie Blackman standards, I think it's because Rockies fans hold him to very high standards and they should, mm-hmm. because he's been one of these superstars for the Rockies for most of his career. But the season that he had is not bad at all for a 36 year old designated hitter. Who's sort of his train starting to pull up to the station here. 
And so I, I agree with you, Skyler, where it's really nice to see him get this recognition. And while he's he's probably you know definitely not going to win the award, I think he is deserving of the nomination. Yeah. And here's a question I want to ask you, too, is because I'm looking at the you know, the the nominees for the American League designated hitters. And you look at these are bona fide designated hitters. Shohei Otani, Jordan Alvarez, John Carlos Stanton, George Springer, Adolis Garcia. And you look at that list and you're like, oh, yeah, you can easily pick out these guys are designated hitters. These guys mash. And then just like you were talking, looking at the National League ones, these guys are, it's kind of meh. Like, oh, yeah, like they all had decent years, but none of them seem like, like a runaway type of hitter, aside from Albert Pujols and his name. And so would you say like this is the first kind of regular season with the de- with the DH? It's that these National League teams haven't quite figured out how to use the DH yet or how to fill that slot effectively? I would say absolutely. Because like the closest uh, out of that group would be Bryce Harper, and, and Bryce Harper was mainly the DH because he was he was hurt, so they didn't want him playing in the outfield exactly. as much. And what I will, what I will say about the the DHs for the American League Silver Slugger nominees is that a lot of those guys are also regular position players, um, especially Alvarez, Springer, and Garcia, where those guys are regular getting outfield reps as well. So it's kind of a combination there. Of uh, you know the the DH award has always been not only for the the guys who are strictly DHs, but for guys who you know maybe didn't get nominated for their specific positions. You put them in the DH category if they have a decent amount of DH reps, and I can definitely see you know why you do that. But like you know Springer and Garcia played plenty of outfield. The the really the true DH in that list is Shohei Otani, and he's probably going to run with it's either going to be him or your don but for the national league it's like you said first year of having the official designated hitter there for being a silver slugger there's not a whole lot there right now because teams are sort of still figuring it out and trying to fill in that that spot of who's going to be the dh who's not going to be the dh so eh, that's what i think at any rate Mm. mac what about you no, I pretty much agree with you guys. Um, I do agree with you as far as the AL is concerned. I actually, well, I largely agree with you. I do think Otani is likely, but I do think that Jordan's probably going to get it just because of the season he's had. But I think you mentioned it, Evan. I just want to say it again. Like Charlie Blackman, as you said, is a 35, 36-year-old DH. And these numbers are not going to blow people away in the grand scheme of things. But I do think you have to take into account. I mean, look. If we're going to give all the props to Albert Pujols for doing what he did at this stage in his career, you have to give Charlie Blackman some of those same flowers. I mean, a 36-year-old, 35-year-old DH who's been in the league now for 10 years, literally got his, you know, 10 years of service time, he's been around, and he's still playing at what is a high level. Elite, maybe not, but it's still a high level of DH. So that's all. I just think that Charlie Blackman deserves a recognition like this even if it doesn't actually win the award to still be nominated is the league saying that they acknowledge how good he is and how good he's been. I'm happy for him in that regard. Definitely. And I mm-hmm. would say, you know, probably the last year of elite that we got from Charlie Blackman was, was 2019 when he was, you know, 32 years old and he's only gotten older from there. And the fact that he's still putting up solid numbers, not, you know, mind blowing, 
but decent for a guy who is 35, 36 years old and is is starting to sort of phase out totally, totally solid numbers. And I think he has the opportunity next year with the shift being gone to do even better because think about how often, you know, Chuck hits into the shift on that first base side. True. So I'm really curious to see how he does next year. And then our second silver slugger finalist is Brendan Rogers at second base and Rogers. I don't know if he, he run, he does not run away with this one like he does for the gold glove at second base. But the fact that he is even nominated at all, considering that April, that April he came out of where he was hitting 0.078 after the month of April. And he turned it around to such a degree where he ended the season hitting 266, 325, 408 with 13 home runs and 63 RBIs. And his strikeout percentage was only 17.4%. That's really pretty good. And there are definitely guys who I think are going to more run away with this award. I think Jake Cronenworth is, is really up there, you know, 17 home runs, but who's probably going to win it is Jeff McNeil. Uh, Jeff McNeil, who won the batting title for the national league with an average of 326, uh, 3.382 on base percentage and 0.454 slugging percentage. But, Really, it is just to see him turn it around to the point where he's even a nominee speaks volumes to the season that he had. Skyler, what are your thoughts on Rodgers? Uh, yeah, it's kind of the same thing. You look at his, the bulk of the, the success of his season was May, June, and July, and then started to taper off in August and September. September slash October was the second worst month after the April month. And so it's nice to see him nominated, but yeah, he's not going to win it, but it's good to see him get that recognition of like, Hey, you had this rough start. Look how you turned it around and look what you can accomplish by no being effective on the field. And I think there's, it's a jumping off point to tell him like, Hey, you're on the right path. Here's what you can do to improve even more. Here's the next level you need to know strive to reach or no it's trying to increase his home run production and increase those walks he's cut down on the strikeouts which is really good keep increasing the walks keep putting the bat on the ball and making good solid contact so he's to that point where he's doing the things he needs to and now it's this kind of award nomination okay now you know what you need to do to take it to the next level look what what's jeff mcneil doing that you're not that's getting him the reward oh so it's just like you're saying, it's good to see him get nominated, uh, but he will be beat out by a flying squirrel more than likely. <laughs> so what you're saying is Brendan Rogers needs to get a very strange bat like Jeff McNeil has, and then he will be amazing. Facts. Sure. I, I don't know if you guys have seen Jeff McNeil's bat, but he has a, a really, really strange one. So in his batting stance, he really, he chokes up on on his bat a lot his new bat this year basically doesn't have the handle in the same way that most other bats do it's kind of just like straight down with a slight taper at the end and there's no like bulb or axe handle or anything like that it is really weird 
Yeah, I've seen those. They're super, super weird. But oh, interesting. Going going really back uh, before we before we get to your thoughts, Mac. I want to go over something you said, Skylar, about the the walks and the strikeouts, because Rogers had you know, about 100, 150 more plate appearances in 2022 compared to 2021. Played almost the full season, which was fantastic. He only had despite the 150 plus more plate appearances, he only had about 20 more strikeouts. So he had 84 strikeouts Mm -hmm. in 21 and only 101 in 22. And what really stands out is the walk. So he had 19 walks in 21, but 46 in 22. And this is while he also had 50 plus RBIs for the second time in his career and more than 10 home runs for the second time in his career. He also had a dramatic uptick in 2021 he only hit 21 doubles compared to his 30 in 2022 and both seasons he hit three triples so this is really big where what he really needs to tone down in my opinion is the double plays uh brendan rogers led the league in grounding into double plays with 25 this season yeah i mean you're exactly right look we talked about the rockies propensity to just hit these ground balls and brendan rogers was hurt by that you know he he was somebody that and, and you nailed it with all the all the stats you just mentioned, the doubles and the home runs. Like we see that he can lift the ball, and if he can just change, you know, half of those double plays into line drives, he's going to be a three hundred hitter. He's going to hit twenty five home runs. Like we see that he's able, he can hit thirty doubles. Like we can see that that pop is there. But you're exactly right. The ground balls are what is the biggest hurdle for him to overcome at this point. We got to find a way to get the ball in the air for Rogers because he absolutely, I mean, I don't know about y'all, this might be a bit of an overshare or an overstretch, but like I see Rogers as perfectly capable of winning a batting title. The bat to ball skills are there when he's locked in as he was the, the entirety of the season. Like I uh, can, I don't know. This is sort of quick to ask you to do right now, but Evan, is it possible for you to somehow see, like if you just don't take April into account what he hit this season minus April, that might be too big a, an ask right now, just in the moment. But like, he must have been hitting over three hundred or at least close to it. Like, I just think that Brendan Rodgers is so close, and he, he's close to being a guy that is going to be like league recognized as a as a top tier hitter. And you're right; if we can get those ground balls in order, man, he's going to be there. So I can absolutely do that for you, Mac. My Brendan man, Rodgers. If you discount his entire month of April. And consider his season to start on May 1st through the end of the year on October 5th. Which I know he's, is a big ask, I'm, but, you know, just for the sake of talking about it. He slashes 286, 342, 441. There it is. His 13 home run, all 13 of his home runs came after April. Almost all of his RBIs at 62 and 41 walks. He so, still hit into a lot, and I mean a lot of double plays. That's 22 in that time frame. So he only, in the month of April, grinded into three compared to the rest of the season. Sure. But you look at that where if you discount that April, get rid of that April, and just go from May forward, see how good he was. Uh, Bab of 322, he just was, he was good. He was really, really good. And I've said this before. Think how good he could have been if he wasn't hitting the ball into the dirt 52% of the time. One of the highest ground ball rates in the league, one of the highest ground ball rates on the team. He also had a very high ground ball rate last year. And we've seen it tick downward. So in his 2020 campaign, he had a ground ball percentage of 73.3%. 
Granted, he did not really play that much in 2020. But last year, 50.8, and then this year, 52.0. He needs to, and I think this is where a lot of um, coaching and offseason adjustments are going to come into play. He needs to stop hitting the ground onto the ball so much because if he does, if he can just start lifting that ball even a, a fraction more, think of how amazing he could be as a hitter. Isn't it interesting that, like, probably the Rockies' biggest offseason acquisition this year will be their hitting coach as opposed to any player they could possibly sign? Yes, I think mm-hmm. it is extremely important, and that's why I've been sort of, you know, talking about it so much on my rock piles the last couple of weeks. Personally, and and we can we can go into this a little bit, I want us to take a look at Jeff Albert, who just departed from the St. Louis Cardinals. I think the Rockies would be extremely foolish not to bring him in for an interview. Sky guy thoughts. Uh, I don't know enough about any hitting coaches out there. It's, I just want somebody that knows how to use analytics and communicate it well. And, you know, knows how to bring some pop to a lineup. Yeah. I'd be down with that. That's all I can ask for. I think so. I and I, I talked about this in my in my rock pile this week. I talked about Jeff Albert, where the reason why I want us to look at him was because the Cardinals were just such a better hitting team than the Rockies. And it really was a lineup where they had, much like the Rockies, it was a very top heavy hitting lineup where you had guys like um, Goldschmidt and Arenado sort of bolstering the bulk of that lineup. But I have this pulled up here. The weighted runs created plus and OPS plus are not even close between the two teams. The Cardinals had a 114 OPS plus and weighted runs created plus compared to the Rockies 90 and 86. They also hit into more than 20 fewer double plays and they had a way better ground ball percentage of only 41.2 percent whereas the rockies had a 46.8 league leading franchise high 46.8 percent ground ball rate they hit more home runs they hit more rbis they had a better runs per game by a lot they struck out less they walked more they had a better on base percentage they had a better slugging percentage they were just overall the better team and really the only spot where the rockies beat them out is that the rockies had more triples and the Rockies had a better team batting average. And we've talked about this before. The batting average is empty if you don't do anything with it. And that is why I want us to at least take a look at Jeff Albert. Because the Cardinals were doing what the Rockies should have been doing. But if you want to uh, want to hear more of my thoughts on that, you can check out that rock pile. Went up on Thursday. Do but it. Go ahead, Mac. No, that's it. I just think you nailed it. Uh, I was just saying, like, yeah, y'all should read Evans Rockpile because it's like it's a great breakdown of the situation and it gives really, really good insight into what the options are and what the Rockies should do. So I just wanted to plug your Rockpile because it's good stuff. I like making comparison tables. <laughs> and you're good at them. Well, we're going to roll into our sort of the last thing I guess we're going to talk about today is playoffs, baby. World Series starts today at time of recording. It is the Philadelphia Phillies out of nowhere versus the Houston Astros, who I guess a lot of people, I suppose myself included, expected to be here as the American League representative. How are you guys feeling about the playoffs so far? Uh, I mean... <laughs> 
Uh, I mean, turned into Larry David. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think they've been interesting. Uh, Always happy to see the Dodgers lose. Always happy to see the Padres lose. Uh, Here's a question. Do you guys think the Phillies are the least likely World Series um, team in the last like 10 years? Eh, not necessarily. We've had a couple sort of out of nowhere National League representatives over the last couple of years. You had the Nationals a few years ago. The Braves had a terrible start in in 2021 and ended up winning the whole darn thing. But the Phillies this year are definitely that bizarre come out of nowhere team where like the Toronto Blue Jays, they fired their manager. Joe right. Girardi was fired after what a 22 and 29 start to the season. Right. And after that, they just sort of went into went into gear. And they had a not great September and October to the point where they could have even missed the playoffs. But then they go to the playoffs, they beat the Cardinals sweep. They win a, the 3-1 series against the Braves. And then they win the against the Padres four games to, to one. And now they're in the World Series. Skylar, what do you think? Unlikely, or did you have him going this far? Uh, when you look at the Phillies roster, they're a pretty stacked roster from opening day because you look at all the acquisitions they made. They got Kyle Schwarber. They brought in Nick Castellanos. Yep. No, they've had Bryce Harper. No, you look up and down their lineup. They've got JT Romuto. Now, you look at their pitching staff. They have some solid starting pitching, some dominant starting pitching and some pretty good pieces in their bullpen. And so, like, after last year, the Phillies went hard in the offseason, and, you know, for a lot of the season, they were in contention. You know, especially after, you know, firing Joe Girardi, they started to build things up. And so I think on paper, this was a team that was playoff bound, and, you know, they figured things out and were able to reach it in that wild card. The surprising part is that they made the run that, they did through the kind of this playoff thing because oh the Cardinals they kind of they kind of got hit hard there against against the Phillies and then able to to stun I think the big ones that they stunned the Braves and were able to just but again you look at all the other factors the Braves were kind of dinged up with some of their pitchers you know the Cardinals are the Cardinals they're just built to make the playoffs and then the Padres able to take down the Dodgers. That was probably more surprising. Yeah. But and what's interesting about the I Phillies wouldn't say they're that, the most surprising thing. What's interesting about the Phillies is that all of their star players have contributed during these playoffs where, so they mm-hmm. punched the Braves in the mouth and nobody showed up for that series. Mm-hmm. And the Cardinals, a lot of their big name guys like, you know, Arnauto and Goldschmidt just sort of disappeared in that mm-hmm. series. There's like Billy's just kept on rambling. There's like officially, I would say, maybe this is me just being reactionary, but like I would it, I would uh, haha, edit and back. (laughs) I I would moving on. I would say that there is officially a narrative of Arenado in the playoffs. Is that wrong of me? I can't say I disagree. (laughs) Granted, it's a small. Am I wrong to say that? Like, yeah, right. Like, there's officially like. Because he's now had a couple playoff appearances and has not sh- – no, no disrespect, right? A phenomenal player. 
but I think, but I would say that there's officially an Arenado in the playoffs narrative. Uh, he, so he far, really did. he yeah. disappeared, and he's an yeah, he's an incredible player, but he just did not contribute at all in that series loss against the Phillies. Mm-hmm. It's that pressure, kind of. I'm sure that pressure he puts a lot of pressure on himself. So in those playoff situations, probably gets a little amped up and puts pressure on himself, and that results in you know ineffectiveness. Yeah, and. I want to go back to what Evan was saying with like the Phillies. It's not just one or two guys. They're getting moments up and down their lineup. You know, Bryce Harper had a huge home run that sends his team to the World Series. It's a great moment. Now, those are you look at their season, they have had tons of moments that you know the underdog team, so to speak, they were the third wild card. And you no, know, naturally they didn't have as tough as a journey, as like you look at the Padres did, who the Padres had to take down the Mets and the Dodgers, which that's a really tough you know, journey to go through. But the Phillies, their path seemed a little bit, you know, I don't want to say easier, but easier on paper because look how often they face the Braves and you know, keep it fairly close and facing the Cardinals, but them able to get through all those teams and and get to the World Series is phenomenal. And it's because their lineup, everybody's contributing. They're getting pitchers going out there and throwing gems. They're getting huge home runs in critical moments yep. from their star players in their lineup. Yep. Not just from Kyle Schwarber and, and Bryce Harper and Nick Castellanos, but guys like Alex Bohm, who at the beginning of the year was like, I hate it here when it came to Philadelphia. And he ended up having a fabulous season. Uh, Gene Segura, who making his first playoff appearances has been really good. Reese Hoskins had that, that, that big, uh, the bat drop statement home run. It really is a team where everyone is contributing right now. And that's going to be a heck of a matchup against the Astros because the Astros are very much the same way where Mm -hmm. everybody on that team is contributing right now where the Astros swept the Mariners, unfortunately, and the Mariners put up the best fight against the Astros. The Yankees went down just in a crumpled heap in a 4 nothing sweep. And so here are the Astros, and this is a big challenge for the Phillies, but if they can keep playing the way that they have of just you know punching you in the mouth, making sure everybody is playing to the same level and just keeping it going, the Phillies have a genuine chance of winning this which would i'd be all for it it just crazy out of nowhere so then okay we only have a couple minutes before we got to wrap this thing up real quick astros phillies evan first who you got give me phillies in seven. really wow okay phillies in seven versus skyler i want the phillies but i have a feeling it's gonna be like the astros in five or six okay uh, and then I've got, sorry, Astros in five. I, I think Philadelphia is a great story, but I don't think they've got the, I don't think they've got the juice that the Astros have. The Astros look unstoppable right now. They, they basically clown the Yankees. They have That's not looked, much. you know what I mean? Like they have, you think it's been much? It's, the Yankees? No. The, the Yankees, I, 
The Yankees struggled to put away Cleveland. But the Yankees are good. The Yankees are on paper good. Hmm. Aaron Judge is good. <laughs> no, like I, I agree with you, Mac, though. Like the Astros, they look unstoppable with the way they're just kind of cruising through the playoffs. You look at their pitching, they've got Verlander, they've got Valdez, they've got you know, all kinds of guys. And then their offense is pretty scary outside of Jose Altuve, yeah. who's not doing anything. But <laughs> you never know anybody like Jeremy Pena, Yaron Alvarez. There's a bunch of guys in their lineup that are scary, can put the send the ball out of the ballpark at any moment. That's what was like the tightrope playing against the Mariners in that marathon game, which I can't believe people, we all sat through that. <laughs> And yeah, that was, a, decided that was a tough game to watch. <laughs> so, like, that's what it is, is they have the pitching that they can keep pace. If their offense is struggling, their pitching can keep them in it until they can get a guy to finally send one out. Yep. And then they have Ryan Presley come in to close it out. And so the Phillies have their work cut out for them. But I think I was sent kind of what Evan and I are along those lines where hopefully the Phillies can put up a good fight, you know, maybe steal a win or two and keep it close and get them to get them to maybe six or seven games. Even I'd love that. I would love it. Astros in five, but I, do I will say I, I, I do agree with you guys. I think the Astros are much more clear cut for their chance to win. I'm just trying to be hopeful about it. No, I can give me a, give me a good series between two fun to watch teams and what would really make me happy is if the Phillies came out on top. Yeah, I would love that too. I would prefer that definitely, but you know, and at least the Astros can have a legitimate world series. There it is. That's of course, that's saying it without saying it. Now you're just going to say it. That's exactly what it is. And you know, get a ring for dusty Baker. Everybody loves dusty. That's true. That's also very true, but that's about going to do it for us here on this week's episode of affected by altitude. Hopefully by this time next week, the World Series will still be going and we can have a discussion on how that's going so far. Maybe the Rockies will have done something interesting, but, you know, who knows? In the meantime, Mac, where can the folks find you at? Yeah, man, you can find me uh, on Twitter uh, having to make our uh, editor censor out me when I uh, start ranting. And uh, I am at Mac Wilcox CBP. Uh, so come check out all the stuff. I'm also still writing up on Purple Row about just various things. And I might have some uh, new stuff I'm working on start coming out here pretty soon. So check that out. Skylar, where are you at? You can find me in the dark forest eating candy. <laughs> you really can. I've seen it. <laughs> that, Or you can find me on Twitter at sideline underscore crowd. And still writing Wednesday rock piles now, which fun stuff. And you can go look at my one that people were quite upset about, about <laughs> Noah, even suggesting Noah Syndergaard potentially with the Rockies. Hey. I don't know why people got so upset about that. <laughs> it's really funny when they do. Find How about me. you, Matt? Or Evan? <laughs> <laughs> And you can find me on Twitter at, at Evan underscore Lang 27. You can also find me doing my Sunday rock piles on www.purpleroad.com. 
Uh, all of our fabulous writers there on Purple Row are putting up amazing content for you to enjoy. You know, every click helps. If you see something that you really enjoyed reading, please share it on social media, send your friends the link. Uh, it's, it's views that they really mark us on and we try and provide you guys with excellent content without having to resort to things like clickbaity titles. Like, That's... is Brandon Nimmo the next Ian Desmond for the Rockies? But seriously, yeah. we love to, we love to interact with you guys and see what your thoughts are on our, on our work. And we love to see our work getting spread around. So Every one of those views is super important to us. You can also find us at the official Affected by Altitude Twitter account, which is at Altitude Effect. As always, until next time, Evan Lang, Matt Wilcox, Skylar Timmons. We'll see you later. Skylar, hit him with it. Do it. Farewell. Ooh, farewell. Night's on Thursdays, not Sunday. What? Oh, God. Whoops. <laughs> nice.